All right, real quick, people, before we get into today's show, we've just released a new course, Periodization for Periods, all around how to train women around their monthly cycle, and we've got it on special. If you're interested, click the link in the show notes. You are now listening to the Fitness Education Online Podcast, the podcast where fitness professionals go to grow their fitness business. If you're in the fitness industry, you'll find tips and strategies from proven business experts. Now, let's start the show. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fitness Education Online Podcast. I am super excited because we have an absolute rock star on the line this week. Now, I know I say that about every guest every single week, but this person actually is a rock star. She's got the statistics to prove it. Uh, she's done some really cool things in the fitness space and in the, the pole dancing space. She's, she's a pole dancing instructor. She's been a Pilates instructor, a group fitness instructor. She's the owner of her own pole studio uh, at the moment, Stargazer, out there in Blacktown. Uh, on top of that, she's very active in the amputee community. She does a lot of work there. She's also an adaptive athlete. I believe she's the, the world champion or a former world champion. Is that right? Three times international pole dance champion. There we go. So without further ado, let me introduce <laughs> the one and only Miss Deb Roach. Deb, how oh, are you? Thanks, Jono. That's a very kind introduction. Well, it's easy if I've got a, a guest like you to, to introduce. Um, <laughs> I say we just we just get right into it, Deb. The, the, the reason why I've brought you on is it's obviously quite inspirational what you're doing. Um, but also unique in the fitness space. We don't have a lot of people, we don't have a lot of amputees in the fitness space that are instructing and, and training and that sort of thing there. So I'd like to speak about yep. both of those things. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to you. Where's the best place to start, Deb? Um, well, in what we just recapped, you wanted to hear my story. So I'll probably crack on there. Um so I am happy to share my story with you today and your listeners, Jono, because you invited me to be interviewed. And when I'm invited to be interviewed, it's something that I expect to talk about and that I'm very happy and willing to talk about. There is a time when that's not true. Mm. If I'm out in public walking my dog or buying a coffee or catching a bus, I don't like people to ask me what happened to your arm mm. unless they're under the age of 12. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> if they are children, that's perfectly important. So if people ask me what happened to your arm, I will often reply, what happened to your manners? <laughs> Love it. It's very rude. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so something that I come across a lot is that people have um, a sense of entitlement to, their, mm. to my story, and um, that isn't something that actually exists. It's my choice who I share that with, and I'd like to share that with people that I know. I mean, we've spoken before. Um, and that with people, I think that it will benefit. And I think that there is a lot of benefit in the fitness industry um, from hearing where I came from and how I've made my way in a very unlikely and unconventional career choice. 100%. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was born without my left arm, actually. It's called a congenital malformation. Um, and we don't know why it happened. I've had all the genetic tests to try and figure it out. And it's still, it's just luck. <laughs> mm. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. And um, I was just one of those times that it did. And my mum didn't know, like no one knew that I was going to be born with one arm. And it was a big surprise, but they got on with it. And um, I was brought up with some really amazing, positive stories of anything I set my mind to, I can do. 
Um, I think they probably oversold that a little bit when I was a toddler because by the time I got to school, I was the bossiest, biggest <laughs> personality and attitude in the room. Didn't make for a very popular schooling career. That doesn't sound um, like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me to a T, never changed. Um, but yeah, so that's that's me. But I do, um, I do work a lot with amputees because I have grown up as a one-armed person in a very two-armed world. Mm -hmm. And um, for, because people can't see me, I'm actually missing my arm just below the shoulder. So I've got about 20 centimeters um, on the outside and about 15 centimeters on the inside of my arm. So not very much arm at all. Um, and yeah, so people who experience limb loss or are born with limb difference, it's a pretty hard thing to do to manage movement patterns and overcome all the challenges of daily life without the role models to show you how it's been done before or to adapt how you can do things differently. Um, so I had to come up with all that stuff myself and it was a pretty rough first kind of 18 years of life, figuring out, you know, what to do with my sleeve or how to tie my shoes or how to butter a slice of bread with one hand. You know, there are so many tiny things that people just don't think about that I not only needed to figure out once, but make um, easy so that my life wasn't frustrating. And for actually for a lot of the time until my early 20s, life was really frustrating. Yeah, for sure. And part of the frustration was not being as good at sport or physical activity as my peers. Mm. And um, it wasn't just my limb difference that made it really challenging. It was the fact that I had really bad asthma and allergies. So even if I went running, I would have an asthma attack and fall down. Like my cardio fitness wasn't great because my breathing um, was very difficult to control. Thank goodness these days we found the right medications and I barely ever have an asthma attack. But as a child, figuring that out when you've got really serious asthma from a very young age is, um, I think it was probably worse than being born with one arm. Yeah. Um, I, so my experiences of sport and exercise in school were incredibly negative. They used to do this thing at school sports time where you'd stand in two teams and the teacher would pick two people oh, that would yeah. get to pick from the group until you had two teams to play sport. And I would always be the last person left standing That's in the court. That's such a bad. That's such a bad thing, isn't it? They, I don't think they do it anymore. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. it's like always drawing the short straw. Yeah. No, but it's, it's, it's no, it's worse. It's like a personal dig. It the is. Short, it really, know? it really sells the message of you're less than every single yeah. other person in your peer group. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone knows it. Yeah. I, I never believed it. I knew yeah. what the message was, but my response was, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, go for it. Fuck you guys. Like, yeah. you're wrong. You're yeah. wrong. I'm not less than you. So I, I, also, I had a real chip on my shoulder. I was a very mm. attitudinal young woman. In fact, I broke the school rules. I had Doc Martens as my school shoes, the boots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once again, doesn't sound like you. <laughs> um, yeah, so... It was, it was not a fun time. So firstly, I sucked because I had asthma. Secondly, I was always last picked. Mm. Um, so I was like, oh, well, you don't want to pick me. I'm going to beat you in every single test we ever have. That's every sick. single school exam, my marks are going to make you cry. Yeah, and um, so that's how I got through school life, managed quick, that. Quick, quick question there, Deb. Were many things adapted back then? <laughs> <Like in> what... <laughs> 
<laughs> so was it just... we did okay <laughs> so i'm 40 i went i started school in like 1986 yeah. i finished high school in 1999 there wasn't when i started school there wasn't even an anti-bullying policy yeah, they well, didn't teach like and any bullying or friendship stuff in school it was about captain cook and arithmetic mm-hmm. and <laughs> it was a very different time i'm i'm so pleased to see how the times have changed in terms of how students interact with one another and that there is actual direction in in the education system on being embracing and inclusive and what diversity is and and what that looks like in in childhood um i really wish that was around a little bit sooner Mm. um, because it was seen to be perfectly normal and acceptable for everyone to be an absolute asshole to me yeah that sucks yeah so that is kind of where it all started um and i was a one-armed person in a two-armed world for a really big part of my life. Mm. I had a very kind of sheltered upbringing. So like the first times I saw other people with disabilities was a big shock to me because it wasn't Mm. something that I'd seen before. Um, And it was something that I really had to breathe into to accept, well, this is also me. And I wore the label of person with disability with extreme reluctance I don't think it was until I was after 30 that I would accept um, that I was actually a person with a disability Mm. and I wasn't just me. And, you know, because I like to be that vague in between space because I'm like, I'm just the thing that has to figure itself out. I don't need this other label. I don't find that helpful. But you do get to unify and identify with a lot of other people with similar issues if you actually accept and acknowledge that you are one of their peers and one of their allies as well. So that was that time. Um, But as a kid, I just, I, didn't see that there was anything my parents gave me such positive messaging and I didn't see that there was anything wrong with me Um, and also prosthetics back then were really undeveloped Mm. um, and I wasn't given enough of a reason to wear one so we went to have a look at some prostheses when I was about four and they were just these like clunky scary barbie arms or little pirate claws with bands that do this yeah. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not natural, it's not normal, and it's a little bit creepy. Mm. Um, so I was, I was just a bit eked out by the whole fake arm prospect and avoided yeah. it. But um, I have one now, just so I can do cool shit, essentially, um, like the Macarena, for instance. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, run, run us through, Deb. So it sounds like you know during school you weren't the sporty type. How the hell did you become like, the three-time world champion? Yeah, well, I guess when you don't give people the opportunity to shine, that they won't. Yeah, okay. You know, so I never knew that I was strong. I never knew that I was extremely flexible. Mm. I was never given the opportunity to have positive experiences in my body. So Mm. I had to seek them out myself. And it wasn't until I started seeing a therapist in my early 20s 
um, for all the trauma and the negative experiences that I went through in childhood and how it was ruining my personal relationships as an adult. Mm. Um, and she said, you know, there is so much, you don't have to be cut off at the neck and exist in your head. I was a Cisco network engineer back then. Wow. And, um, She's like, there is so much more to life. There is so much you can do to improve your relationship with your body and your quality of life. You just have to start trying new things. Go and look for the things that you enjoy. And um, I'd always loved dance. I'd never had the courage to do dance classes. I was in about year five when we started to finally really get my asthma under control. And some girls joined our school as new students. So they didn't hate me as much as everyone else did. wasn't <laughs> yeah, culturally bred into them. Um, and they encouraged me to start dance lessons when they did. And I really enjoyed it. I got picked on so much. Um, Why do you even come? You're never going to make it to a Stedford. You're yeah. a broken line. Um, all sorts of crap. But I kept going and I really, I really enjoyed dancing. So that was one of the places I started. I went to Sid classes at Sydney Dance Company. Oh, yeah. At and, the Rocks there, right? Yeah, down at Hickson yeah, yeah. Wharf. And yeah, yeah. the teacher. I went to a few of them, you know? Yeah, right. Maybe I'll see you there. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, I used to take class with Jason Lou Brennan, and um, he was just so fun. And it was a jazz class, and I really loved Classes were two hours when I first mm. started. And the first kind of 75 minutes was technique, and it was the same technique every week and you could really develop your skill and there were parts that were challenging but parts that were really building your body and your technique as a as a dancer and but it was when we'd get to the last part of the class that i'd fall apart because choreography learning and replicating other people's movement patterns when i don't necessarily move like them mm. is really hard but i'm also from spending so much time in my head i was this chronic overthinker so I'd be fighting myself and he'd keep telling me, stop thinking, stop fighting yourself, just go with the movement. But it took me years to be mm. able to do that. So it started with dance. Then I tried a bit of yoga and I was like, oh, they say a lot of the same things that my therapist says and it's a lot cheaper. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> I love it. so I really, I really loved the yoga and um, my Pilates, I started with the windsor pilates dvds okay yeah but so i did a lot of home practice with that and then one of my flatmates when i lived in newtown was like i've got this crazy idea i want to learn to go for a jog your well, my on. flatmate my okay. flatmate had this idea yeah. that she wanted to start running and i'm okay. like this is something i've never done or experienced mm -hmm. okay i will come on this ride for you so for those people who knew, know Newtown, there's um, the dog park and St. Stephen's Cemetery there in the centre. And it's like a 1K block. Mm. And we did the first run we ever went on <laughs> was one lap of that block. And at the end, we both collapsed <laughs> and were dying. I'm like, this is awful. Why do people do this? <laughs> I still think that today, by the way. <laughs> But um, it got easier and eventually my work did a subsidized city to surf training. So when mm. I was working at AAPT um, at World Square. And so I, I joined in 
and like caught the running bug there as well. However, from all my years of doing inactivity, I had some very floppy, loose muscles with some very unsupported joints. Mm. So I got injured quite a lot and I would have been much better served with doing a strength training program. Mm. But those injuries served as great teachers and I got into the gym and I had a great trainer um, and you know, I learned all about it. Give them a plug. Who was the trainer? Uh, I actually didn't start working with a personal trainer until I had already been a personal trainer myself for three, two years, two years. His name is Todd at, um, at fitness first at bond street in the city. I can't remember his last name. There we go. Well, Todd, if you listen, <laughs> so he used to have his BFF, um, Matt McCorkendale, whose name I know because I visited him once he moved to New Zealand. And Matt was always like, why did you choose Toddy and not me? And I'm like, cause I don't want to train with someone who's my mate. I want someone to teach me and yep. just teach me and not be my friend and make me work hard. Good point. Well, yeah. Keep, keep going with this story. So you started running. When does the, the pole come into it? Um, I was already kind of running when I started pole lessons. So I, I was still goth at this point and I had this like jade green hair um, or kind of a more emeraldy sea green. And every time I go for a run, it would sweat all down my neck. <laughs> it was gross. <laughs> um, but I was DJing at gothic nightclubs and stage dancing as well, where I saw we did this one called um, Bloodlust Carnival and it was circus themed and there was a doubles routine by two pole dancers and one of whom was Susie Q, the other was Missy and I was backstage going, you lucky girls with your two arms and your fancy pole dancing, that was bloody fantastic. I loved watching your show, I'd never seen it. There were these two um, marionette puppets, you know, with the stripy socks and the pigtails and they broke free from their strings and it was it was so clever and not how I ever envisaged pole. Like I had no problem with pole, um, but I just had not seen it in this circus context before. And I thought it was wild. And I, um, I was giving them all this praise and they're like, oh, have you tried it? I'm like, why the hell <laughs> would I with one arm and you know, I say I love stage dancing. I love having a boogie, but I don't think there's a world of possibility in that for me. Um, and they said, well, you don't know until you try. And so I was in the studio the next week and there was a world of possibility. Sure. It took a long time, took a really long time. And again, I met even more injuries and understood the value of, uh, symmetry in the human body <laughs> and why unilateral training is a progression and not a good starting base. Um, but I got there in the end. Tell us about that. Like that must have been harder, right? Yeah. Climbing took me a really long time. Like having the stability in my shoulder, the grip strength, the core strength to lift my knees, squeeze the pole and then boost up to re-grip. Like understanding that sequencing because I could never learn with two hands first and have yeah. that extra pull strength was really hard. And <laughs> sorry, that's my dog. Pause for one sec, please. Let's take a quick break. 
When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. So question there, Deb, what was it like for the teacher or the instructor? Would they give you, because I'm thinking like, is it taught the same? Is it taught different? Is it on you to learn differently? Is it on the instructor? What was that like? So in this particular poll curriculum, the class, you know, there, there was set number of moves that you would do as a beginner before you graduate to elementary, etc., etc., and you had to have competency on for, for most people on both sides to do the skill gotcha. before you could progress through the levels. But um, I was very lucky in that my first two instructors were very patient and they would we would figure it out together. So they would try things with one hand. Sometimes I would have to insist that they would try difficult things with one hand so that we could figure out whether or not it was something that would be accessible to me or how we could adapt it or what I would do that was different. And um, yeah, so my first two instructors were really great with that. I have also had instructors that were not at all impressed by, by being asked, can we figure out how this works in my body? They just wanted to teach their class the way that they wanted to teach their, cl their class. Yeah. So I think in group fitness, we've all seen an ego before mm. and um, I've met my fair share in the, in the poll studio. Um, but, you know, I trained with other people then and- mm. And I guess I, you had a few, you at least had half an idea at that stage, right? Like yeah, I did start learning did more. it was didn't accommodate you that you would have gone basically, right? Yeah. Well, I tried mm. to persevere. Um, I got frustrated at one point. I had to repeat elementary one like a million times because there's this one move called the Jamila and it's a very two-handed split grip you know move. Keep and talking. I'm going to YouTube it while I while <laughs> P hashtag B PD Jamila. PD Jamila. Yeah, so do hashtag PG, PD Jamila and you'll see why with one hand that might be exceptionally challenging. Oh, okay. Keep talking. Yeah, so I found I couldn't do it. So if I couldn't do this move because I was at the Jamila pole school, I couldn't progress past elementary. So at that point I quit and I just went to flexibility and conditioning classes and I booked private practice at other studios like Bobby's and pole dance academy and achieve physique and just did my own personal training um, in other studios with some friends do practice time because the curriculum style of learning no longer served me in mm. the pole studio but that's okay i own a studio that serves everybody <laughs> there we go well tell us so then you're how did you get from that to world champion so I won my first competition in 2010 and it Australian, was uh, UK international. Yeah. Yeah. Australia. Yeah. So I was living in Petersham and the Oxford Tavern ran a showgirl pole oh, comp yeah. and, um, I decided to enter and my teacher, Missy helped me like 
figure out routine and how to train for a competition and all those things. And um, it was it was showgirl style. This was not pole fitness. This was sexy. Topless was optional. Thank you. <laughs> I had no problems with my my like my body image or my sexuality or anything like that. So I was very happy to participate. Yep. And it was. Um, a number of rounds so it was whoever would win one week would come back so there were the finals the semi-finals and the grand finals gotcha. and um, i was overall winner from my three rounds yeah so that was my first one and i'm like oh maybe i'm all right at this and it was actually um it was before i was winning that i'd managed to run a couple of half marathons and i was like okay my brother had been diagnosed with MS. I was mm -hmm. really enjoying the healthier relationship I was building with my body and with fitness. And I guess I was making up for lost time. Like this whole mm. world that I'd missed out on became so fascinating to me um, that I just wanted to be in it full time. So a round of redundancies uh, happened at my work. I got one, uh, it put me through my Cert 3 and Cert 4, and that's how I became a PT. And yeah, being able to change my life that way, I just stopped, I stopped thinking about what I couldn't do. It really changed my mindset. I stopped feeling frustrated by things that were hard. And instead of just focused on the challenge of finding the solution and the joy in unlocking the small wins along the way. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't listening to any freaking Tony Robbins or anything like that to get me there. You know, I've never done a fire walk. Yeah. I just... I just, it just happened naturally. Mm. It, it was a really like, I would put my mind to something and then I was like getting better at that process. Now it wasn't until I had moved to the UK after my first international win um, that I thought I'd done a lot of work in changing my attitude to my body and to fitness and to training. But my coach over there um, found it really difficult to coach me. And she said, you know, you need to bring a positive attitude to training every session. Mm. Whereas uh, I, I figured out, oh, like I am really hard in that training space. Like, cause when I'm chipping away at things, like it is quite a hard energy. And I'm like, whoa, we don't need that. It took me a while to actually hear it. I was a bit offended at first, mm. but uh, when, once I heard it, it was, a, it was a positive change for the better that impacted all areas of my life yeah sure really yeah so but yes yeah, so my my first international pole dance championship it was after my first win there that i submitted a video entry for an able-bodied sports competition sports pole competition um but because the level is so vastly different between me with a disability so things that i do that are like well, back then were very hard to imagine someone with one arm doing mm. were very basic for two-handed mm. polars at the time that's yeah. not true these days and um so i didn't really fit that comp but my video had been seen by the judges for that comp who were involved in other comps as well which is when i got the call about the uh international pole dance championships and they say we actually have a, a, dis a disability category would you like to submit this video as an entry and um, i said yes and i competed against other disabled people who were deaf or like not necessarily physically yeah. disabled and i won 
Woo! Yeah, and that like changed my life. I was, didn't know what to do with the win at first. Like all the media was wanting to do interviews and everyone wanted to talk to me and I'm like, I'm not making any money out of this. This doesn't yeah. seem right. Did you, but, did, did you, were you able to leverage it? Not at that time, yeah. no. I didn't, I didn't know how. I didn't have an agent, I didn't have management, I didn't have a clue. I was, yeah. I was a tech. Yeah. Like, I was a geek tech who suddenly had a win and a thing and I was like, yeah. oh. And I now look back and go, this is when you hire a PR team and try yeah, and make the most out of it. Write a book straight away. Um, <laughs> things well, I would have done differently. Let's, um, let's pivot now, Deb, and speak about the fitness industry. So sure. you were working as a PT at the same time as you were competing in the pole championships? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the UK. You know, tell us a little bit about, I guess, uh, what it was like as a, as a personal trainer in your situation. Let's take a quick break. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. Yeah, sure. So imposter syndrome is a real thing. Um, <laughs> there's, you know, so many different kinds of trainers. I went through my like qualifications pl with plenty of confidence and I was very lucky in that like the first place I landed my job and was a functional training studio called Personal Best. And, you know, it was a very small boutique studio with very accommodating to all bodies, yep. you know, mostly targeting weight loss. So, um, but also general strength, quality of life, um, just a real general populations of all ages environment for me to learn in and work with other bodies and to learn how to best serve my body. Cause that wasn't something that anyone could teach me. Mm. Um, so that I was fine there. Then I decided that I wanted to run with the big kids. And so went and started a fitness first franchise at Bond Street as a PT. Whew, that was tough. That was really tough because you've got all, all the muscle heads mm. and a really pretty girls and like, especially in that end of town, everyone is always on show. It's very showy. It's super, it's incredibly superficial. And after a couple of years, I realized that what I was actually employed in was fitness entertainment, people who had all this money to throw at training, to just feel like they were doing something about the fact that they were going home and eating two packets of Tim Tams on the couch at night. Um, and not, not really interested in learning what I was passionate about teaching. That was my experience as someone who wasn't one of the pretty girls and not one of the bodybuilders. Uh, talk yourself down. What do you mean? Not one of the pretty girls? <laughs> no, but I mean like at the time I still had green hair and then I went to black hair and, you know, I wasn't tanned or, um, you know, I, I wasn't no fake boobs. No, <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't fit in really. Um, and, so yeah, it was, it was really hard to carve out, you know, oh, I really love helping people achieve their goals. I love like people discover 
discovering how much they can improve their quality of life the same way that I did. Um, it was it was a struggle. Group fitness really took on, took my heart in that I could. People were there because they wanted to experience exactly what it was that was on offer that I was offering. Mm. And there were lots of them. So I could make an impact that I controlled in a room at that time. And there was not necessarily any expectation that anything would change as a result of mm. being there. There was no, um, yeah, I wasn't expected to work miracles. They were the same mm. way as you are in a personal training relationship sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I found this that- you like fitness first, Deb? Yeah, I started in fitness first teaching. I taught cycle at first, which was heaps of fun. Um, and then, especially for someone who'd never ridden a bike before, I was like, yes. <laughs> I got told it's not really what it feels like though. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and then I got and did all my mind body stuff. So I did yoga and at the time I didn't use props a lot in yoga, it wasn't until I moved to the UK that I kept going to this one teacher's class and they kept queuing pro, crow pose. And I'm like, I've got one arm. Am I invisible? Why do they keep teaching this thing without offering me a modification or talking to me about wait, like wait, what wait, we wait. can do what's, different? What's, what's crow pose? Crow pose, it's a hand balance. It's the one where you've got two oh, hands yeah, on the floor, yeah, your yeah, knees yeah, on your yeah, arms yeah, yeah, and it. your bum in the air, balancing yeah. your face like an inch from the floor. Gotcha. Yeah. So kept teaching this. And then one day, like there's yoga blocks there that we'd sometimes use for balances and things. He's cueing everyone in crow pose. I'm sitting there in my little yogi squat going this again. Mm -hmm. And he kicks over the yoga block. And that's when I had my, ah, mm. the limitation between me and this pose isn't my body, it's my imagination. Yeah. And so I used the yoga block as my arm, pushed my knee on one end, my short arm on the other end, and up I went, done. There we go. Yeah, so I wasn't using props to their maximum capacity. And then I was obsessed. I'm like, what else can I do if I use props? And then I started doing handstands with my shoulder on a box. And That's sick. Yeah. So it unlocked a whole world of imagination and exploring after that. And then you became a teacher, right? Uh, no, Pilates or yoga? I did both. Yeah, okay. And bar. As a teacher, as a teacher right? But that was before this oh, happened. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah this yeah, was yeah. in my own personal practice. I was also teaching at that studio. Yeah, yeah. But um, I would teach things that I could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Question from here, Deb. So, what about now? There's a personal trainer listening to this, and they don't have um, a disability, right? Mm -hmm. But they'll have um, either they're a teacher in a in a class, and someone walks in that doesn't have an arm or doesn't have a leg or or something like that what sort of tips could you give that personal trainer both from like a like a, an appropriate side of things like a um so what i'm looking for yeah well yeah an appropriate side of things uh, and then also from a physical side of things as well yeah so if if you're one-on-one -on -one, like if you're a trainer and someone has approached you um with a disability of any kind then say, cool, how can I help you? What are your experiences with this? And put in some time, if they want you to help them, put in some time to research mm. and you know, ask how, you're just looking to make benefit the same way as you would with anyone else. There's just a number of different puzzles to solve. Mm. And some people are really interested, like my current coach is super keen to solve a puzzle. 
Mm. So he's really happy to look into different ways because I went to him and I said, oh, I see you do a lot of Olympic lifting. Yeah, cool. So I want to learn a single arm snatch with the barbell. Mm. And he's like, giddy up, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. And, but you, you see people on the gym floor. It took me years to find someone that I'd be like, okay, I'm going to train with you after leaving fitness first. Why was and, that? What was that? What made you do that out of curiosity? Well, I've been back since I've got my new prosthesis and, um, I've been back into my lifting game, but there's limitations and I'm like, oh, I think there's some more fun things that I can do, but I don't know enough about, um, and I, I wouldn't really trust any trainer what what made you trust this trainer though uh he's the strength and conditioning coach for the Parramatta eels okay so he supports a bad team uh excuse me (laughs) 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 we'll not be having that discussion jono (laughs) podcast over (laughs) um yeah but I'd, i'd actually seen him train another female athlete The same as you'd expect someone to see someone train any athlete. There was just that level of courtesy, professionalism, attention, just very, very great coaching that was non-gender specific and appropriate. Mm. And I was just like instant trust. Mm. And I was very happy to, yeah, to work with Danny. But um, yeah, so I'm still on my fitness adventures, but for people mm-hmm. that, you know, as if, if someone with a disability comes to you, you can have the chat. Okay. How can I help? What, mm-hmm. what things do you experience? Is there something, are there things in your daily life that hurt? Are there muscles that you feel are weak? Are there parts of your body you don't feel are working to help you as much as they could be? Like really under, try to understand their goals and where you can add benefit as much as possible. So that's in a one on one-on-one context. If it is a group fitness context and someone walks into your class and you see that, that they have a visible physical disability, then I would say, I would go up to them, hi, introduce yourself. Um, is there anything I can help you with in class today? Do you wanna do your own thing or do you want me to offer you modifications? Is there anything you need for, your, for modifications? Mm. Um, you know, Do you want me to back off and give you space or do you want me to be, be hands-on and help you out? Mm. That's the question. Yeah, and That's can, I, the can, key. I, can I add there as well, Deb? You'll do that personally to the person, right? You won't yeah, for sure. Not at the front. All right, hey guys. Oh, hey Deb. Looks like you're. This is you. Blah 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 blah. You'll maybe get the class started and then talk to them, or you'll talk to them before that kind of stuff, right? Yes, and be confident yeah. about it. Don't be freaking yeah. awkward because as yeah. soon as you say something like, "I don't want to make you feel awkward. I don't want to yeah. make you feel uncomfortable." <laughs> do you know what happens to someone? Feel they feel awkward, awkward and uncomfortable, and uncomfortable yeah, instantly. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You just go up really confident and say, hey, thanks for coming to my class. My name is, do you want me to give you space or do you want me to help you out? Is there anything you can need that like that I can get for you? Just be normal about it. Don't treat it like it's weird and freaky. Mm. Treat it as an opportunity to make a new mate and help them out if they want it. Yep. Agree. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Deb. That's pretty much all I wanted to get through for today. Uh, just before we wrap up, someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, this woman is cool. I like her um, vibe. I want to follow her. Where's the best place to follow you personally? And then well, also where's the best place to follow in regards to your pole studio? Yeah. Well, I just wanted to take a sec to talk about my studio because it's not like any other studio in the world. 
Um, we have a poll at your own pace curriculum. So our syllabus isn't like you have eight weeks to achieve all your core competencies in the beginner level or you will repeat. Um, you go to any class that suits your timetable. So if you go to what class suits you, we have an app that connects all of the moves from beginner one to advanced and elite to your booking. So the instructor knows exactly where you're up to when you come That's in. You, yeah, and you also get a copy of that app so you can watch your demo videos and go you can go in with a plan right i can do this one i want this ticked off today also huge reward center like massive dopamine joy ride when you get that tick of for the move that you've been working on for ages mm -hmm. it's um it's a lot of fun and it's accessible to all ages all sizes all genders there are no boundaries so we're really really special we're called stargazer poll on instagram TikTok, and facebook and um, my personal account is Debzilla with an H at the end. And I'm just on Instagram and Facebook. TikTok is too much. <laughs> well, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll put all of those in the show notes. Um, okay, cool. That's pretty much all I wanted to get through, Deb. Is there anything I should have asked you but forgot to? Or anything you'd like to finish us off with? She's thinking if you're listening, it's not the end of the podcast. She's you just... can edit this out. <laughs> no, I, no, I think the point I made like for fitness professionals, if you're not interested in making a difference in someone's life, are you in the right job? Mm. And if you are interested in making a difference in someone's life, go into the conversation, open, confident, and without carrying any weirdness mm. like people are people it doesn't matter how many fingers or toes they've got it, goals are goals and it doesn't matter how big or small they are if you are getting paid and you've chosen a job where you feel like that the reward in your career is adding value and helping people succeed in whatever their goals are then make it your work and take away your own mental barriers and your emotional barriers around being confident and calm and clear in those conversations. Love it. Awesome. All right, Deb, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Jono. Thank you for listening. If you liked this show, share it with your friends, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. For show notes and free training on how to grow your fitness business, visit www.fitnesseducationonline.com.au. Are you a fitness professional looking to provide your clients with personalized meal plans? Well, check out Mealsy, the ultimate solution for creating custom meal plans in just a few simple clicks. With Mealsy, you can say goodbye to countless hours spent on meal planning. Our Australian meal planning web app is designed to save you time and effort so you can focus on what really matters, your clients and their success. Mealsy provides you with a vast library of recipes all created by nutrition professionals. From breakfast to dinner and everything in between, we've got you covered. Whether you want to create a custom meal plan tailored to your client's needs or choose from our selection of ready-made meal plans, Mealsy has the flexibility to accommodate your preferences. So why waste precious time and energy creating meal plans from scratch? Let Mealsy do the heavy lifting for you while you focus on delivering exceptional fitness services. Join the community of fitness professionals who have revolutionized their business with Mealsy. Visit our website at www.mealsy.com and sign up today. Mealsy, the smarter way to meal plan for fitness professionals.